Hi, friends. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you like what we talk about here on the Belonging Podcast, I think you'll really love my book. It's called Root and Ritual, Timeless Ways to Connect to Land, Lineage, Community, and the Self. And it is available right now wherever books are sold. It is a beautifully illustrated guide to connecting with the earth, your ancestors, and your communities as you come home to your whole self. Though we live in a radically different looking world, the needs of our bodies and spirits are the same as the ancestors we come from. I divide this book into four parts, land, lineage, community, and self, and I take you on a journey for engaging more deeply with your life. I provide stories from my own life and I share rituals, recipes, and ancestral wisdom, journal prompts to support you on your individual and unique and sacred path. You can get more info and bonuses at rootandritualbook.com and pick it up at your favorite bookstore online or in person. Thanks for all your support. It means the world to me. Welcome to Belonging, a podcast that explores how to come home to yourself in the age of loneliness. I'm Becca Piastrelli, your host and guide on a journey of courageous reconnection. As we explore topics like ancestral wisdom, cultivating meaningful sisterhood, living with the seasons and cycles of the earth and your body, and what it means to be a good ancestor. Hi, welcome back to Belonging. It's Becca Piastrelli here. So happy to be with you. Oh my goodness, I have been moving slowly and trying to stay in winter. Really noticing how winter is a long season and each season takes a whole season to be a season. And having recently passed over the threshold of Imbolc, the Celtic ancient pagan festival of technically the beginning of spring or the quickening, the coming of newness. It's also around the time of the Chinese New Year and the new moon in Aquarius feeling that desire, that desire for spring and warmth and sun and doing. But my body is like, hello, I am tired and still need to move slow. I can't just pop out of bed and run a marathon. So I've been using my tools to remember what winter, late winter's wisdom is which is really about being reflective and dreaming in and thinking about planting those seeds, but not rushing to plant them, looking at those seeds, considering those seeds, are those the right seeds? What does the land need? What does my body need? All of that. So it's been quiet and slow. And I have to tell you, my greatest teacher has been my freaking calendar. I, in Myers-Briggs, I'm a J. I got a lot of earth in my chart. I really love structure and I really love a calendar. And I've really prided myself on basically running my life by a calendar. And 
I believe, you know, if it doesn't get scheduled, it doesn't get done. I still believe that. But in the last few weeks, I've really been seeing how the calendar has been sort of imprisoning me in my belief systems, in my limiting belief systems around the calendar. And I have been feeling so anxious by the end of the day for not getting all my to-dos to done and realizing I actually haven't been designing my calendar for winter, for my greatest thriving, for nourishment, for aliveness. And it's actually an old pattern I was returning to. And I believe it's just like the January, February crush it mindset. Like, let's kick off 2019 by crushing it, which is kind of a violent term. But anyways, I have a lot of big visions for this year, big goals, exciting things I'm working on that I just cannot wait to tell you about. And in order to accomplish those, I need some sort of structure, but I am also a cyclical being. I am a woman who is committed to living with the seasons and cycles of the earth and her body. And we're in winter and I am no longer the hustle, hustle, crush it girl. I am the wise woman. So it's been a very intense initiation. This is why I say the talent, the calendar has been my teacher because I have watched how I can't, I couldn't just flip a switch. I'd had, you know, reach out to sisters who would say, well, yeah, Becca, if you wake up and you, you need your day to go a different way because you're not feeling well or you're bleeding or things shift, you just do it. I, I realized, oh, I had a lot of resistance to that. I had a lot of resistance to that. So I'm still kind of in it, but I'm recording this on a Wednesday evening. It's 5 p.m., which is unusual for me and my schedule to be recording a podcast at sunset. And yet here is how my day flowed. Here's how it ended up. And that's pretty wild for me to not go by the half an hour mark in my calendar and to still end the day feeling like accomplished, not feeling like I procrastinated or shaming myself to feel like I, I trust myself. There is this element of me coming back into deeper trust with myself, knowing that I will get what needs to be done, done. And I know myself and I know what I need. I know what the priority is in every moment and it can always be shifted. So I hope this makes sense. It has been blowing my mind and I've been sharing it with close sisters and friends and my mom and just looking at them like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that type A, that um, controlling perfectionist part of us that really fears doing it wrong or being out of control. And, you know, that's, that's not ours. That's not ours. That's that's not at the root of belonging. That's at the root of much more damaging oppressive systems that tell us that we're not enough, that we're not worthy of love if we listen to our cycles and if we shift plans and if we really design a life that is for our thriving. So more to come on that, but I am really celebrating that. I am really celebrating that. Today, I wanted to talk about my belonging journey with my body, which is, has a similar thread to what I was just talking about, which is cultivating this sense of trust within ourselves. 
and really trying to overcome and release and shed these limiting belief patterns, these damaging, I mean, self-harming patterns and beliefs we can have about ourselves, about our bodies. So before I go any further, I want to give a content warning to say I am going to be talking about my journey with my body, which includes talking about an eating disorder. So I trust you to know if you can continue listening or not based on what you need. All right, I will continue. Hmm. Belonging in our bodies. Whoa, that's a big thing in our culture today. A culture that has a pretty strong aesthetic of what is beautiful. And I am loving the way the fashion industry and the beauty industry is becoming more inclusive, but we still have a long way to go, long way to go. And I, you know, I have, in a sense, I have, I have a privilege in, in what is it? Not the, in the beauty mindset, because I am of European descent. I am light skinned. And so a lot of the beauty standards of the industries, the typically historically male run beauty industries have to do with normalizing European features. But in a lot of other ways, I am not what a quote, beautiful person would look like. And so a lot of my journey with my body has been about loving myself and seeing myself as beautiful and really feeling belonging. You know, that whole like body is a temple mindset. Actually, I just saw an Instagram post about how the body isn't a temple. Let me pull it up. Here it is. It's originally posted by Taplin. We'll link to it in the show notes via Seamus Mullen. And it says, listen to me, your body is not a temple. Temples can be destroyed and desecrated. Your body is a forest, thick canopies of maple trees and sweet scented wildflowers sprouting in the underwood. You will grow back over and over, no matter how badly you are devastated. Mm. That really resonated with me when I it crossed my feed in the scroll this morning because a body's journey is always shifting and changing throughout our lives. Our body is our home in this lifetime. And so I was born and I came into a wonderful family that did the best they could, but, and I shouldn't say, but, and. I can say that in my family, the mind is prized. The mind is prized, intellect and knowledge and education. And so in that way, from an early age, I can now see there was some dissociation from my body where it was really focused on my mind. I hear from a lot of people that they can relate. I also came into this world with a legacy of body shame on both of my matrilineal and patrilineal grandmothers. So my mother's mother and my father's mother. I mean, at an early age, I would hear commentary on their body size. They were looked down upon and shamed for being fat. And fat meant unhealthy. And that they really loved food. In fact, one one of the things I loved about both of my grandmothers is how much they loved food and how much we gathered together around food. And yet 
there was a dissociation in their own ways of, of how they saw themselves. So it was a love of food, but a hatred of body. Food was an escape, which is something I inherited as well. Food is an escape from this world, from the harshness and the criticism and the feelings of not belonging. So I came into this world carrying a feeling of loneliness, and I, I can be a good time, and I, I'm an extrovert in many ways, and yet the loneliness persists in me. It's a constant um, muscle I work, a companion that I, I'm befriending. But I will say my first best friend ever, ever, ever was sugar. I realized this last year, thinking and talking about emotional eating and really watching and participating in um, body positivity. There's some amazing body positive accounts I highly recommend following on Instagram. Actually, a lot of my work in coming home to my body has been changing my Instagram feed to include more um, body positive and, frankly, fat women, especially women of color, women who differently abled women or non-gendered folk It's affecting the way I see and judge my body and other bodies to see a more diverse set of bodies across my feed. I grew up, I grew up really loving the um, magazine In Style, and I would put the covers of every In Style magazine all over my wall. And I realized it really imprinted in me what beautiful was. You know, high cheekbones, clear skin, white, or exotic, which is messed up, a total messed up perversion of like beauty because it's based off whiteness, this whole idea of exoticism. And it really, when I started, when my thighs started blooming and my breasts started blooming and I started getting stretch marks and I got really tall and wasn't even fully grown, I already felt othered and different. And so I'm really working to know this about myself that I can, I can teach my brain to associate beauty with different ways of being and images. And so I highly recommend following. I'll put I'll put some body positive accounts in the show notes for this episode because it's really impacted me to follow these beautiful, confident, fierce, incredibly generous with their education women talking about fatness and claiming their bodies. It's been really beautiful. But back to sugar. So yes, I was given sugar at an early age. I had parents who chose to give me sugar and it just became, I mean, we know about how sugar is that, you know, makes you feel good hormonally and also you crash afterwards. But I, from an emotional eating perspective, sugar was my constant companion navigating this world where my body looked different and I came in feeling lonely and I saw my grandmothers have body shame. And the mind was prized, and I was told I had to run and, and play soccer, and that was good exercise, hint, hint. Sugar was always there. Baking, baking still to this day provides a deep comfort to my nervous system. Smelling a croissant and like mixing together cookie dough, I can't make that wrong. When I make that wrong, I make me wrong. And I know this challenges those of us who are in the health and nutrition industry because I too believe in eating for a body's vibrance. But if I make sugar wrong, I am rejecting 
my first best friend. So in my embracing of emotional eating, I can't make emotional eating wrong or bad. It's something I did to take care of myself. It's something I still do. It's a soothing, a self-soothing. I think it's important to think about these, these ways we work with our body or food because it really is a big part of feeling love and a feeling of belonging in our bodies, for our bodies, with our bodies. So high school was hard. Middle school was hard. The stretch marks on the thighs were the first thing that really challenged me. The girl with the InStyle magazine covers all over her wall in her room next to InSync posters because I was really into InSync. <laughs> Still am, frankly. And yeah, I was taller and my skin broke out. So I really felt othered. How many of us can relate to this? And I started to figure out how to make myself throw up. And I learned this from movies and TV. And even though I had been told, like, eating disorders aren't healthy for you, they make you sick, it's not good, I thought, yeah, but it kind of works, right? So I'm trying to be tender when I talk about this because it's really intense to talk about and to hear. But yeah, I figured out, I figured it out. And my mom figured out that I figured it out, bless her. And she really fought, she really fought for me to feel that I didn't have to do that and that I was beautiful just as I was. And I felt that from her, I felt such love from her. And this is the thing about belonging in body, it's big and it's deep. And so I was on and off bulimic all through college in my early 20s. I mean, I think they call it you're in recovery, like you have it for the rest of your life. Like that urge is still in me sometimes. But, for, but now I see it just the way that I crave sugar. When I crave to binge and purge, it's, it's a sign to me that something isn't being fulfilled in me. It's a, it's a belongingness trigger. So I learned that. And then I went to college and did the best I could, right? Like wore the clothes and worked out really hard and never felt beautiful, never felt comfortable in my body. And do you do this where you look back at photos of yourself and you think, gosh, she is so beautiful and she didn't know it. I do that a lot. <laughs> I do that a lot which is such fuel for loving myself and seeing the beauty in myself now more than ever, more than ever. Because I realized how much I was separated from the vibrance and aliveness of my body, this animal that I live in that has needs and wants to feel good, walks me around, sleeps me, keeps me alive. I have a fully abled body, so... Really, I can run, I can lift things, and, and that's such a gift. So in my education of myself around body positivity, I realized that I had a fat phobia. A lot of culture has a phobia of fatness, and that we often judge health 
by the way someone looks when we actually have no idea how healthy or unhealthy, whatever that means, someone is inside. And so I really want to take a stand here in my own belonging journey with my body to say that we need to let people love themselves no matter how much they eat or what they eat or how much they exercise or how big or how small they are because our culture is cruel, cruel to fat folks. I think that's a big part of belonging is to love and accept ourselves no matter where we are in our health journeys, no matter where we are in our size or what we eat. That is where the healing begins, that we love ourselves or at least want to work to love our bodies. The body positive movement has been so powerful for me in that way. So yeah, this this body I live in, this living, breathing being who expands and contracts and has stretch marks and digests some foods better than others and has cravings and always, always sees sugar as a best friend and really loves a carb. She bleeds with the moon. She is strong and thick muscled. I have these incredibly thick, muscular thighs. Yeah, my butt all the way down. I'm so thick and I, I, I'm so strong. I used to do CrossFit and I could, I could do a squat. I could squat a lot of weight. And I remember when I was younger, I was so embarrassed because it felt so unfeminine. I've been really working to look and appreciate these thighs, the thighs of Scottish grandmothers who birthed, you know, 10, 12 babies and carried firewood over the hills and tended to everyone. Like these are the thighs. These are the thick muscled thighs of life, of who I come from, of survival, of resilience. Thank you, thighs. Thank you, muscles. This body has created life multiple times. This body has processed death beautifully multiple times. This body holds grief. This body processes shame. This body loves pleasure, loves to be made love to, loves to love others. This body hugs so well. This body I'm in, we, we are in this together. So I really, I invite you to think about whatever came up for you with what I shared, because that is the power of witness, right? It's so important to share these stories. So many of us feel shame in our bodies, no matter what size, no matter how old. We hold trauma in them. We dissociate from them. We make them bad or wrong or that they get in the way of what we need to do. And we're learning to partner with them. We're learning to belong in them. So I, I wonder what you're thinking right now. I wonder what's coming up for you. And I wonder what you can do right now to reconnect to your body, to be embodied. What can you do? There's this exercise that I learned from my friend Sarah Jenks. She did it at a retreat where she had us look in the eyes of a sister and touch the parts of our body we most loved 
and the parts of our body we were most ashamed of. So vulnerable, right? And the woman looking in our eyes would put her hands on our hands, the part that was touching the part we loved and the part that was touching the part that we had shame around, and just poured love onto them, saying something like, I see you, I love you, I love your beautiful body. Oof. Can we do that to ourselves? Can we touch our stomachs, our breasts, our thighs, our acne-dappled, rosy cheeks, and say, I see you, I love you, I love this beautiful body. It's a journey we're all on. But we live and come from a system that really benefited, made some serious money off us feeling like our bodies are not good enough. And that is some bullshit. We have a right to exist in our bodies. We have a right to belong in our bodies. Whoa, this got intense. I really care about it. It's something I think about a lot. I also am about to bleed, and I am in this deep moment of deep luteal where it's all just so clear. It's all just so clear. The veils are so thin for me. So I had to transmit this to you as the sun is going down to invite you into this space with me of body belonging because these are our homes and we belong so I'd love to know your thoughts feel free to tag me on Instagram at Becca Piastrelli send me a DM this is a pretty tender topic so if you want to reach out to me privately that's cool too but I I really thank you for listening this week and being witness to my story and I honor your story and your body, all of it that is uniquely yours. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Lots of love. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I know your time is sacred, and I hope this episode infused some inspiration and meaning into your day. For show notes, links, and references from this episode, you can go to belongingpodcast.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to Belonging on Apple Podcasts, and if you have a moment, leave a review. This helps my little podcast reach more listeners, and I would be ever so grateful.